Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is Hammond and Jessica, and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Happy 4th, almost. Oh, is it though? It kind of is almost. This is a fraught holiday in the best of times, and this year <laughs> it's, I think I'm just going to gracefully ignore it. Yeah, there's have fun going nowhere, right? I'm just hoping that after the fourth, people will stop blowing fireworks every fucking night. That Are they doing help. it around you? I, I have heard some at night for sure. It drives me yeah. nuts. Like the other night, it woke my dog up and she made me go downstairs <laughs> with her to check oh, no. it out because she's a toddler. And then she came back upstairs and sat on Mikey's pillow. It Sounds was like 11 right. yeah. p.m. I have a human toddler dog. Congratulations. Thank you. We're very proud of her. <laughs> uh, let's, let's get through a few of these big stories. One of them that I didn't even realize until days afterwards, in Moscow, Idaho, relatively... There's a uh, Moscow, there's Idaho? A Moscow, Idaho. All right. There's a church that's like one of the mega churches in that region for sure. And they basically said, hey, we're going to hold a joint service for instead of like three different churches let's all come together in one indoors inside of a field house like a gymnasium Uh and masks meh optional whatever (laughs) so there are pictures of like a thousand people and a pastor and no social distancing according to the couple pictures that exist And the the church itself, this is just called Christ Church in Moscow. The pastor happens to be Doug Wilson, who some people might know because years ago he made a documentary with Christopher Hitchens, where the two of them went around different places and did debates places. Um, But here's what I know Doug Wilson for. Besides that, he once said same-sex marriage is worse than slavery, and he also said Christian women are a lot prettier than unbelieving lumberjack dykes, unquote. Wow, that sentence took a journey, huh? Uh-huh. So this is the guy who runs Christ Church, and he said to like reporters who are like, what the hell are you doing? Are you seriously having this giant service in the midst of the pandemic? He said, we wouldn't be there if we didn't think it was safe. And then he added... We wanted to remain unified, and as and we did so, and a periodic joint meeting is a good way to keep the unity, which it's mm-hmm. a pandemic. 
now yeah. is not a good time to work on your church unity in person. You could have a large Zoom call. Yeah. You could work on your unity by yourself and really focus <laughs> in on your solo unity. And then when you get back after the pandemic ends in 45 years or so, yeah, um, then we'll be good. So in two weeks or something, we'll find out how mm-hmm. that one went. Have you heard about Herman Cain? I he so Herman Cain, the former presidential candidate, went to that Tulsa rally mm-hmm. with Trump. Uh, one of the handful of I don't know why he's still a thing. Like he disappeared after twenty was what was twenty twelve or twenty sixteen or did he own pizza chains or something? Yeah, he owned a pizza chain. I can't remember what it was called. Um, they actually I went there once. It wasn't he, good. Oh really? Okay, yeah. now I need to know. But he. They took a picture at the rally and it was like just a few of the black representation. <laughs> and to their credit, there was like eight black people in that picture, which genuinely yeah. is more than I suspected. However, I do also suspect that they might have been, you know, rounded up for this casual picture that they took together. Yeah. But, you know. And how's Herman Cain doing now? Oh, 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 he's in the hospital. Um, oh, really? Unrelated. Why is that? So he has COVID. I wonder where he um, got it. And apparently, according to, who did I hear this from? Chris Hayes on MSNBC. They, or at least as of a couple days ago, there was a 100% positivity rate among those being tested. So if you went to the Tulsa, Tulsa rally, felt sick, got a test, of the people who got tests have COVID. So I guess that little social experiment was a (laughs) bit of a failure. Um, But the intelligence aspect of it was a huge success. Huge success. That IQ test worked out real well. Um, Let's let's go to Australia for a second. Okay, here's a story that boggles my mind for a number of reasons. In 2013, the Australian Go ahead. Godfather's Pizza. That's Herman Cain's thing. In 2013, the Australian government set up something they called the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. Because child abuse was happening all over the place. It wasn't just the Catholic Church. It was a lot of institutions. So they said, let's set up a government commission Let's uh, basically figure out what happened in all these places that went wrong. How do we prevent it from happening again? Uh, And also, how do we compensate the victims in any sort of way? Because if everyone is on their own trying to sue, it's going to go insane. Some people have the statute of limitations has passed, like mm -hmm. whatever. What do we do about this? And what they found is in various spurts, you got like news dumps here and there, but it was like, Hey, Catholic priests are definitely part of the problem. And rabbis are also part of the problem. And the Jehovah's Witnesses are part of the problem. And it was plenty of secular. Yeah, those are the religious ones. There were a lot of secular organizations, too, Mm. that were implicated when victims spoke out. And one of the many recommendations that the commission made after hearing testimony for, like, years one of the recommendations they made was create what they called a national redress scheme. Basically, it was a way for victims of child sexual abuse to say, I am a victim. I have documentation to back up all this. I'm not just randomly saying it, Mm -hmm. but 
I want to get some sort of payback for what happened. I won't go. I think I have this right. Like I won't file a lawsuit. I won't go through the courts. I won't personally sue the Catholic church or something, but I'm in the redress scheme. Mm -hmm. I basically, the victims have proven or shown in some capacity what happened to them. And the government basically created kind of like a spreadsheet that says, if you had this type of abuse and this is what came of it or something, we give you X dollars and now we're, that's something. Mm -hmm. And now we can all move on. Mm -hmm. That, and of course, it's not a great system because one, nothing could be. And two, they literally say in there, if like the child abuse involved penetration, that is worse than if you had emotional abuse that left you traumatized. Like, how do you hierarchy all this stuff? You really can't, but yeah. they did. So it has its issues. This is this is something that has been criticized and debated ad nauseum over there. Mm-hmm. But But they have a redress scheme. Okay, so part of the thing is all the organizations that were implicated have to take part in it. Like, you need the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, like, from the Vatican said, our organization is not taking part in this, but individual churches can. And to their credit, all the individual churches in Australia decided, yeah, we'll take part in this. We will Mm -hmm. pay money into the system. We will let you figure out what the compensation is. We bow out. Like, you figure it out. But they're in this. So that's good. This week... The reason this is in the news this week is because the deadline has now passed for organizations that were implicated to join the system. And the government said, if you don't join it, and we know who you are, if you don't join it, we are going to name you and shame you. Like, because we have no other option here. We can't force you to do this. But like, if you say no, then all these victims might sue you separately. And Mm -hmm. that's not fun for anybody. And we're trying to help everybody out here. So of the organizations they named, six of them, that did not join, one of them is the Jehovah's Witnesses. (gasps) They want nothing to do with this. And the witnesses said, we don't have the institutional settings needed to be covered by the redress scheme. And their statement said, the Jehovah's Witnesses have responded and will continue to respond directly to individual claims for redress. Basically, we'll take care of it all ourselves and we'll talk to the victims. We'll sort this all out. We don't need the government stepping in for this, which if you could have done that, you wouldn't be in this mess in the first place. Right. Like even the Catholic church is like, yeah, you deal with it because we clearly cannot. And by the way, so were the boy Scouts over there. So were different secular organizations that work with kids they all said, look, we are clearly not capable of doing this, and we are going to take part in this as a, if nothing else, bad word choice, as a show of camaraderie. We mm-hmm. want to help the system. If this is a way to give victims some closure, sure, we'll participate in the system and, and let the government sort it out. And it's kind of an opportunity for them to say, like, it's it's not a systemic problem in our in our community. It's bad apples, and they can at least pretend, I mean, it's almost never true, but right. gives them the, the face to say like, look at, we're trying to fix it. We're trying to find the bad people in our, in our group and getting rid of them is, you know, not yep. sincere as that might be. So everyone except the Jehovah's witnesses right now. And again, what do you do if you're the government? You can only kind of shame them all and say, well, they're not joining. 
mm-hmm. but you can't force them to do it. But it's just one of those, God, they just keep getting worse. Oh, Yeah, I'm curious what the motivation is. I, I don't think they trust the government. Again, the Jehovah's Witnesses are people who don't vote on purpose. Like, that is a religious rule they have. They don't I want they to don't be... Vote. Yeah, they don't celebrate birthdays either. They don't want to have anything to do with government. And so here's a government opportunity to kind of, like, start from scratch, in a sense, and they just aren't doing it. So that's disappointing <laughs> for their victims, but who knows if they'll change their minds in the near future. Um. Okay, here's a story for you. You're going to love this. Here's what happened in 2015. Okay. Uh, in Missouri, there's a guy who owns a couple gas stations. It happens to be called Doc's Stop. So it's a chain that's popular in that part of Missouri. So this guy owns two Doc's Stop gas stations and the convenience stores that are attached to them. Basically, he's a guy with some money. And so he says, can I just hire someone to manage these two locations? And then I don't have to deal with this all day. Like win-win for everybody, right? Yeah. Hires this woman to manage both of them. Her name is Janine Poe. So she manages the two Poe places. or Pope? P-O-E. Poe. Like Edgar Allen. So Janine Poe is managing these two places. And in 2015, she tells the owner, hey, you, these two places are not doing well. You need to invest more money in them. I don't know, clean it up or get more stuff. I don't know what the deal is. But she says, you need to invest more money in these stores. So the guy does. And then a couple years later, 2019, she tells him, hey, things are still not picking up. You need to, like, invest more. So now the owner tells a buddy of his, like, I don't know if the guy was an investigator or a CPA or what. He's like, I need you to go through these books and figure out if she's legit. Like, are we really screwing up or what? It took five years for him to double check her work. I don't know what happened in the interim, but this guy gets his friend to do it. Mm. Um, And basically the friend says, you're being conned. And now the FBI, not the FBI, I'm sorry, the U.S. District Attorney's Office, like, gets involved in the air. So now they're investigating. And what they found is that Janine Poe, I'm going to read from the DA's statement here, Mm -hmm. uh, she had obtained at least seven credit cards in the name of the gas station business, maxed them all out, (laughs) and they used that money, her and her husband used that money for random other stuff, like trips and businesses, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) trips and personal things. It's not like they were spending it on the business. Oh, and by the way, they basically transferred a lot of money from the business's bank account to their personal bank account. Whoops. So the government, the investigators found all this out. Uh And this week, they basically arrested these two, the husband and wife. They charged them. They charged the wife with, uh, what was it, a wire fraud. They charged her husband with a thing I've never heard of until this week, which was misprision of a felony, which means basically... Yeah, which I think means he knew she was doing this, but he told a lie about it. So he was on on this. He knew what was going on, lied to the owner. Actually, one of the things that they said in the statement is that the business owner asked the husband hey, I see shenanigans going on. Is your wife doing something? And the husband's like, no, she's not doing anything weird. And because of that, the investigation, like the owner's understanding that he's being scammed, it got delayed because he's like, well, I trust him. 
And so basically now they're catching the husband on this too. So here's, that's where the statement from the U.S. districts, the U.S. attorney's office ended. Here's what I also found out this week. Her husband, whose name is Lou Poe, L-E-W, he's a pastor at a Baptist church in Missouri. Whoa. And he has been for like almost two decades. He was a youth pastor, and then he became their lead pastor last year. And not only that, I found statements on their Facebook page for the church. I'm going to read this statement. It's from 2016, which means... The con may have been happening as they're posting this. Uh-huh. Don't don't forget that we have implemented new ways of giving for your convenience. See Janine Poe if you have questions. <laughs> or in 2015, new ways to tithe each week for your convenience. See Janine Poe if you have any questions. Like someone at this church needs to oh, double check the finances. Christ. I spoke to someone connected to the church who wanted to remain anonymous, but they basically said this is not a church that opens its books to even the members. There's maybe a board of elders that Uh kind of has access to that stuff, but they haven't talked about it. I watched their service on Sunday live stream. They didn't mention it. (laughs) Um, And from what I can tell this Sunday, Lou Poe is still going to be in the pulpit. Sure. Like, why not? Because they haven't been charged. Technically, they're not like they haven't been found guilty. So he's still going back into the pulpit, even though. Is there an estimation of how much she stole? They did not say that in the statement. But you said seven credit cards and maxed out? Seven credit cards maxed out. Jeez. And that's in addition to just cash being withdrawn from the business account. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a trip. The moral majority. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the Supreme Court because this week they issued probably the biggest church-state separation ruling they Mm -hmm. had in years. Uh, This is a case called Espinoza v. Montana something something. Board of Education maybe? No, Montana Department of something. Department of Revenue. There we go. Here's my best attempt to explain it, because let me tell you what the Supreme Court released on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday or something. What they released was a 93-page decision, which is unusually large for any of their statements. It was John Roberts writing for the conservative majority, but also three of the other conservative justices said, well, I have my own separate opinion about this, so they issued their statements the dissenters were had three different dissents. So there were like seven Whoa. opinions floating around, even though Roberts was the main one. But basically, everyone was trying to figure out what the hell did you actually do here? So let me try to give you a little background in this story. In 2015, the Montana legislature, which is like all Republican, they passed a bill giving $150 income tax credit if you made a donation to private schools. So if you give 150 bucks for a scholarship to a private school, they will let you write that off on your taxes at the end of the year or whatever. Okay. But those private schools include it. The government actually set up a scholarship program called big sky scholarships. They said, look, if you give money to this state run scholarship program, you could get the write off. Well, there were like 13 schools that ended up getting money from that scholarship program, private schools. 12 Mm. of them were Christian. (laughs) So basically, it's a way to funnel money 
through the government to these religious schools and the government's rewarding you for it if you do that. And so this people sued. This went to the Montana Supreme Court and the Montana Supreme Court ruled a few years ago. You know, you can't do that. Um, We actually in Montana have a part of our Constitution that explicitly says public money cannot fund public uh, private religious education. No public money for sectarian schools. Mm -hmm. And they said, that's what you're doing. You're giving people a reward for basically giving money to private religious schools. Mm -hmm. And so they said it was unconstitutional. They did not say you can give money to the private scholarship program, just no religious schools. They said this program that was set up by the legislature, it's just broken. So we're saying the law is invalid. The law that set up the program is out. Okay, so they said, we're not singling out religious schools here. We're saying the law was broken, so we're overturning it. So this is what went to the Supreme Court. Religious people were suing, saying, that law wasn't invalid. Let us have it back. Mm -hmm. And the plaintiff was a woman named something Espinoza, who said, without this tax, without getting a scholarship for a private school, my daughters can't go to the Christian private school of her choice, Mm -hmm. which... I don't buy because, yeah, she can. Like, religious schools can offer scholarships to kids, and donors can fund scholarships for kids. Mm -hmm. But the government doesn't need to get you a reward. Yeah, it's not that complicated. So this is what the case was. Gets to the Supreme Court, and this week the Supreme Court says the Montana invalidation of that law, the Montana Supreme Court that said you Mm -hmm. can't have it, they were wrong. We're overturning that. Okay. So what does that mean? As far as I can tell, what that means is the law that said, let's set up the scholarship fund. Anyone can get a scholarship. It's back in play, which means religious schools can get that funding now and people can get a tax benefit from Mm -hmm. giving to the religious schools. Um, But one of the things I want to point out, Sonia Sotomayor, in her dissent, Mm -hmm. she actually wrote very clearly, not only is the court wrong to decide this case at all, it decides it wrongly. Today's <laughs> ruling is perverse. And Whoa. the thing she said is the our court, the Supreme Court, the court appears to require a state to reinstate a tax credit program that the Constitution never re- demanded in the first place. <laughs> like, since when does the Supreme Court say, hey, that law you decided doesn't work? Nope, you got to put we, it back in now. Turns like, out we love that law. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not, they're saying, if the legislature wants it, they can rewrite a new law if they want. No, 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 they're saying, no, that law you used to have, put it back. <laughs> Which means, like, I think one of the justices even said, Does that mean, oh, this is back to Sotomayor. It appears that the court has declared that once Montana created a tax subsidy, it forfeited the right to eliminate it, if doing so would harm religion. Like, once you create the law, now they can't get rid of it all of a sudden? That's weird. Wow. And so I think what this means, and this is based on what a number of uh, First Amendment scholars have said, Basically, if any state offers vouchers or a program that uses taxpayer money to help people go to private schools, they must allow religious schools to be a part of that system, which is so messed up because it there's, I think, 29 states and D.C. and Puerto Rico 
that have systems like voucher programs that let ki- lets kids go to the school of their choice, including private schools. And now they're basically saying, well, religious schools can't be excluded from that. It's, I think, the first time public money, taxpayer money, has direct... I think a few years ago, there was a case where there was like a church that wanted a playground. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court said the state was offering playground renovations anyone who wanted to apply for the grant you can't tell a church you can't apply for the grant that's unfair to the church they just wanted to fix their playground there's nothing weird about that well this is the first time they're saying no give the money to the religious school and if a religious school proselytizes if they teach creationism if they discriminate against gay people in hiring Mm -hmm. so what that's none of our concern here So that's why this is so devastating. They're finally allowing public money to go to religious schools. Hmm. That's too bad. Yeah. So big problem. Uh, I think a lot of people are still trying to parse out where where do things go from here? Because you may see a lot of lawsuits then of people saying, well, in our state, they offer private school benefits for some people. Like, we'll give you a tax break or we'll give you money to go to a private school. And now they're going to, like, sue in order to get religious schools in the mix. Jesus. Cool. I'm glad the world's going really well. (laughs) Uh, Um, You want to talk about Rand Paul? Let's do it. So, um, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, who is a doctor, which I think he's an ophthalmologist. Yeah. So, you know a real medical expert. Um, so he was, uh, so Fauci, Dr. Fauci. He can be a medical expert, but he's a medical expert in ophthalmology. Like, and that's it. They don't do a lot of vaccinations when it comes to eyeballs, if I recall correctly. Right. right. Um, so Dr. Fauci, who's, we've all heard of him, the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, didn't know allergy was in there. Um, he and some other health officials testified before the Senate committee on the state of the pandemic. Um, at that time, Fauci rightly said that the country's heading in the wrong direction and that he wouldn't be supply surprised if the U S surged to a hundred thousand cases per day. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rand Paul was there for good reasons. Um, he, <laughs> he said that, and I quote, it's important to realize that if society meekly submits to an expert and that expert is wrong, a great deal of harm may occur. We shouldn't presume that a group of experts somehow knows what's best for everyone. So, so let's trash experts. What do experts know besides the thing they are experts at? What I don't get is like, I'm not, it's not a random expert. They're not saying just trust everyone with a PhD. They're saying Fauci knows infectious diseases. So maybe listen to that guy when it comes to infectious diseases. And Rand Paul's like, you don't need to listen to experts. Like, what if Rand Paul was your eye doctor and you brought your child in and Rand Paul was like, um, your child needs glasses. That's why they're squinting and getting headaches and can't see anything. Then and I would you say, say you're, I don't listen to experts. What do you know? Yeah. What do you know? If I, I know my child better than anyone. So if you and all your wisdom and 
education and your doctorate and your fancy degrees thinks my kid needs glasses, then I think you're working for Big Glasses Corporation, run by John Glasses, the founder of Glasses, a descendant of Benjamin Franklin. Totally realistic. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think this... It is incredible how I continue to be surprised at the depths of depravity of the Republican Party and their followers. I don't know why you're surprised. I don't either. Um, I just, I'm so... Rand Paul is up for election in 2022, and I kind of hope Charles Booker, who lost the race to Amy McGrath this week, uh, that would be a race. That would be great. Kentucky, you're really betting a thousand with your senators. Sorry, guys. Dude, Um, everyone. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just don't understand what they think their, their goal. Like, what's the end plan of this? Is it just to dismantle all government and expertise? Yeah, the cycle, the cycle that they're in is Republicans say government sucks, and then the Republicans that are in government do nothing, mm-hmm. which makes government suck. Right. And then they go around and say, see, government sucks. We should make it do less. <laughs> and it's just a cycle to nowhere. And unfortunately, when they're in charge, then their whole thing is, now we're not going to do anything. What? I Bills are piling mad- up? No. I'm imagining like three months in the future that other senators are going to be like, government is worthless. Our own senators don't believe experts. So what should they be doing up here? And just like, it's just a Ouroboros thing and they eat their own <laughs> tail and yes. then we all end up in hell. Yeah. I don't, uh, man. I, I'm not surprised, but it's frustrating because Rand Paul is one of the literal only people who can do something like he has a position of power. You would think a guy who is an expert or at least went through medical school, even if he's not an expert in infectious diseases might respect science more than your average Republican. And no, he's the one saying, don't listen to the ones who know what they who've studied this their whole lives. It's so frustrating to watch this play out in real time. And from COVID to um, police brutality of just watching everybody in DC. And I am groping Democrats in with that too. Just like shrug emoji. What can you do? I guess police are just going to murder black people for funsies. Oh, I guess a quarter million people are going to fucking die in the next few days or weeks or months or whatever. And like, I don't know what we can do about it you, because you remember growing up to die. Do you remember growing up hearing like, Uh, we need less government government's the problem or phrases to that extent. And now I'm just like, government's not the problem. It's basically one party that hates the government and works to sabotage it. Cause like I can have reasonable arguments with democratic policies where it's like, Mm -hmm. you don't go far enough. You need Uh to do something different. You need to do more, but that's very different than nope. We're just going to set everything on fire, which is the Republican goal. Like they're not passing bills. They don't want to. You know what it is? It's it's that woman who was running the convenience stores and kept like fucking shit up and then turning back to the owner and being like, I don't know, shit's fucked up. You need to give me more money or like you need to give me the thing I want. I don't know what's going wrong. I certainly can't do anything to stop it. But please give me money or give me the thing I want. Like they're 
fucking Can you children. imagine how many invest? I mean, let's assume there's a future. And imagine they do investigations into the present time <laughs> in this future. Is that yeah. <laughs> sure. Imagine what the investigations into all the corruption that's going on right now. How much shit are they going to uncover? Like, I wish Biden would just say whatever they're hiding right now, we're going to release it the second I'm in office. Like, forget aliens. Forget Area 50, whatever it was. <laughs> like, I, who cares? Famously. Everything that they're hiding and covering up, I'm just going to let. I'm going to release it to congressional committees and let them investigate and let their lawyers do their work. Like what will we find in terms of where money went in terms of who's getting contracts? But like, it's not like, like who's, uh, who is Rand Paul playing into, you know what I mean? Like who is this stupid and terrible point of view? Who is that ultimately benefiting? Like, Rand, your voter, your voters are extremely old and fragile. You're going to yeah. kill them. There was a like, profile of Mitch McConnell, maybe in the New York Times magazine a couple of weeks ago. And basically the whole thing was, what does he want? What is he, right. who's he trying to hit it? Like, it would be one thing if it's just like all he does in government is enrich himself. And he, he does kind of, but the bigger thing is everyone who's known him for his whole life are all like, he doesn't actually care about any of that. Uh, he just wants power and he wants to keep power and get more power. Oh, what does he do with that power? And everyone's nothing. like, we, we, nothing. We don't know. It's it, The goal is acquiring power, not to do anything with it. He's a fucking psychopath. And I mean that in the actual technical term. I think that man has no no sense of morality and no empathy. I mean, at least in the Obama years, we knew his goals, right? His goals were first to make Obama a one. Well, yeah, to make Obama a one term president. And then when that plan is winning for the sake of winning, that's it. It's that's Trump's thing, too. What does he want to do for the what didn't they ask him this week? What's your second term agenda? And then he filibustered and gave some answer about golfing or some shit like he doesn't he doesn't have an answer for what he wants to do because he doesn't want to do anything. He just wants to be president and hold like white supremacy rallies. And, and it's harder to do that when you're not the president. And we know objectively Trump hates being the president. Like he hates all, working for he, yeah, yes and doing like, the stuff we expect. You're right. And you're right. He yes, he he hates working as the president. He loves being the president. Yeah. He and likes like, the hail to the chief when he walks in to the room but he likes people saluting him he likes yelling in front of helicopters all the things all the classic presidential things i just but i think i think that's what's scary to me maybe is that it's not there is no hidden agenda their goal is to be in power and then see what happens next i guess and like in what? Trump's case, like being president means they can't like take him to court for anything. And the second it's he's handy. not president, he, he's so screwed. And so that's his only incentive now to avoid anyone being able to come after him. Yeah, it's it, it's truly mind boggling and, and just so disappointing, remember, which remember is such a silly, ago, petty word. Yeah. Remember months ago when they could have impeached him and had Mike Pence and everything Republicans ever dreamed of, and they said, nope, still love Trump, which, oh my God, I don't understand that even for them. That was what made me bonkers during the um, 
during the hearings is like, well, they just want to undo 2016 and they want to get vengeance for Hillary Clinton or whatever. And it's like, Hey, sir, like we passed second grade. So we know that if the president is removed from office, the vice president takes over. <laughs> they could have everything. You could get the ju- you think Mike Pence is going to pick liberal judges? No, you can have all the judges and none of the drama. Mm-hmm. Like you could have done that. And all but Mitt Romney was like, nope. I don't know. I just... My God, I saw my parents the, a couple last week. We went to the same park that I was at today, except for it was a hundred degrees out today. Yeah. Really should have rethought that it was quite hot <laughs> in the prairie where there are no trees. Um, but my, I was like, I don't understand who is in favor of Mike Pence. He is the least charismatic human being to ever walk the earth. And all he cares about is like hating gay people. And my dad described him, my dad, a Republican for his entire life up until 2016, described him as a world-class suck up. And that's what Trump likes. And that's, yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head there. You know, when Mike Pence took the job and they're all like, well, Trump is like a pussy grabbing, horrible person. Why do you, why do you want this? Why do you want to be his right hand man? And Pence was basically like God has called me to this role for some reason. And it's entirely possible that these four years will go by and let's say Trump loses the election. What do you think if you're Mike Pence at that point? Like, I guess perversely, it could have made sense where it's like, well, Trump might get impeached and God put me here to take over for him. I, I can see that logic, that but at some point, logic. but if, if that doesn't happen and Trump just loses and leaves, let's say that happens. What goes through Mike Pence's head? Like, what was the point of all that? Like, I ruined the country. I didn't get anything out of this. I made Christianity look worse than usual. Like, what's the upside if you're Pence? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Like, I, I think that's, you get, we get so, so in the weeds about, like, you know, they're attacking Roe, they're attacking gay marriage, whatever the the flavor of the week that they hate this week is. But like long term, yeah, what is Pence do? Like, did he think he could overturn gay marriage? Did he think he could like turn that dial back? I don't know. I still don't know what he's what he thinks his job is. I mean, it's kind of amazing that he's become a non-factor because Trump is everything and he sucks up all the oxygen. But I honestly, policy wise, it's not like you hear Pence's name saying Pence is steering this committee like he's leading the covid team. Bang up job on that. Yeah, right. Like that didn't work. (laughs) Which, P.S., he did that a few years ago in Indiana with an HIV (laughs) pandemic. What's a smaller one? Epidemic. Epidemic. Yeah. And then I I can't even think of the word epidemic because everything's a fucking pandemic now. And he fucked that up, too. Like, I'm I know I shouldn't be surprised anymore, Hemant. And I know I say this week after week, but. I think a little part of me thinks, God, they have to have some sort of moral compass and they don't. Yeah. And their voters don't either. And they're going to do it. I mean, this came out this week. I didn't even write this one down. Um, The Pew Research Center put out a survey this week because we've talked about how Trump may be losing support of some white evangelical voters, Uh maybe because of the tear gassing, holding up a Bible in front of a church stunt, Mm -hmm. maybe because of the pandemic and uh, I guess killing 100,000 people might affect a couple people. Um, But actually, Pew Research said, do you approve of Trump? And a whole bunch of uh, white evangelicals, like 
I forgot the number, but it was close to 60% something. We're like, yes, I approve of the job he's doing. But a lot of people said, no, I don't. But then they said, are you going to vote for Trump or Biden? And this is taken last week. Like the survey happened last week after a bunch of shit. And 82% of white evangelicals said, yeah, I'm going to vote for Trump. Which means even people who don't think he's doing a good job are going to vote for him. <sighs> I but don't. Man, it, I. Which is, by the way, the same number, 81%, I think, voted for him, white evangelicals in 2016. They haven't budged. And no matter, even if a few of them are like, well, I didn't like that you tear gassed all those people, but they're still going to vote for him. Well, that's great because Trump is doing his fucking damnedest to kill all those people. So what the fuck ever? I mean, I, I genuinely thought that we saw the lows of our, like we saw the true depravity of our country in 2016 when we allowed Trump to become president. And now when we're, we're saying we've said for like two months, Hey, could you stay home? Could you wear a mask? A lot of people are going to die. We don't want them to die. We want to get back to normal and asking people to wear a mask, which is the simplest thing anybody can do is like becoming this politicized bullshit argument. It's like this, it's like the rough equivalent of walking around with an AR 15 into a target or whatever, just to <laughs> show that you can. It's so bizarre. And remember when we stayed, we stayed home in March and April and stuff. None of that May matters. And June. And May. Yeah. Like none of it matters. Cause too many people are like, yeah, I'm bored. It's June. Let's go out. And now we're right back to worse to than when we started. I can't, I just like, I don't know, man. I don't fucking know. The restaurants by us are opening back up. Congrats. I'm not eating there. I'm not like literally I, I am going to become a hobbit person. I am never yeah. going to leave my little hole and I'm going to go on adventures with the ring sometimes. Like I don't, <laughs> ugh, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm sad. You know, I'm just, it's to the point where certain places that I go through drive through or something, I'll say the first item and they're like, here's the other three things your family needs, right? I'm like, yes. Ooh, Panera. <laughs> it's Panera, isn't it? Sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And, and if I don't get one of the things or something, they're like, is everything all right? Do you, you I'm okay, like, I'm good. Sir? Don't worry. Was there a death in the family? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's sad, but uh, man. Welcome to life. Um, let's talk about a predator. Okay, here's about what? a predator. Uh, there's okay, a church in California. There's a church in California called Menlo Church. Huge mega church in California. There are many of them. This one is run by a guy who has a popular name in the white evangelical community. His name is John Ortberg. Uh, this is a pastor who used to work at Willow Creek outside of Chicago, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of a breeding ground for a lot of famous pastors. And now he runs this place in California. Mm-hmm. So the story that popped up earlier this year is that people found out publicly that this guy had allowed a volunteer who had admitted an attraction to minors. Now, he let that volunteer work with children, despite knowing that. Now, there's no, inc- there's no record of any incidents. No one has suggested any wrongdoing occurred. The bigger issue is that you know someone has this attraction. The person has admitted it. And yet this pastor's thing was like, it's fine. Let him work with kids. And by the way, it wasn't just like 
working Sunday school with a bunch of other adults. It was he's traveling with kids on overnight trips. Oh, no. Some of the other volunteering stuff that this guy ran was unsupervised. Again, no reports of any wrongdoing. But the fact, like, you knew this and you still let it happen, like, that's how it's gonna happen. Read the room. Have you seen what's been going on with churches? Your reputation isn't great. And so the, the pastor, Ortberg, he apologized and he took a leave of absence. This is at the beginning of the year. And by the way, the reason we knew all this is because his son, Daniel, posted it online saying, like, I tried to tell the board of elders, like, hey, I found out this volunteer has admitted to this. You guys got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And they really didn't. And so Daniel, the son, said on Twitter, like, all right, well, they're not doing anything. So I will tell you all this happened. Mm-hmm. That's when the pastor apologized. That's when uh, the board of directors were like, we'll investigate whatever, whatever. One of the reasons they didn't take Daniel's warnings seriously, though, because he is the pastor's son, uh, but he's estranged from his dad. Oh, So one of the reasons his warnings were dismissed is because Daniel and his wife are transgender. This is according to Daniel. Like, they didn't take me seriously because of that. In fact, he said that after he informed his dad slash the pastor and the board, like, of this volunteer, uh, they basically, uh, I'm not paraphrasing the church. I'm paraphrasing what Daniel said. They said to him, pedophilia is like homosexuality, like they're both sins and it's bad, um, that the most important thing we could do is maintaining secrecy about all this and that Daniel lacks standing to offer some alternative form of treatment for like whatever it is you want us to do, we're not going to take you seriously because of your transition. So basically, Daniel's warnings, even though they were right on the ball, They did not pay attention to him. And the pastor at most said, I'm going to apologize and I'll take a leave of absence. Well, guess what? Now he's back in the pulpit, the pastor. Like nothing happened to him. He's just back. Um, And the board, the church's elders, they did an investigation. So they said, they said, we hired an independent person to look into the pastor's actions or lack thereof. They said nothing substantive was ever found. They said, I'm quoting from their... A lot of quotes around like an impartial third party or whatever he said. I'm not sure how impartial it is, but the uh, elder said the board has not found any misconduct in the Menlo church community. Nevertheless, the investigation showed John Ortberg, the pastor, John exhibited poor judgment. That was it. That's all we got. They said poor judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what happened at the beginning of the year. Guess what happened this week? Tell me, tell me. Daniel, the son, who was not listened to, posts again on Twitter and says, uh, basically, I wasn't impressed with the investigation because I know the investigator did not speak to key witnesses who were aware of things that were going on. Um, His father, John Ortberg, came back to the pulpit without acknowledging anything he did wrong And the Board of Elders basically insinuated Daniel was mentally unstable because he's trans. So he's not happy with any of this. So guess what he posts on Twitter this week? He says, well, I'm going to publish the letter that I sent to the Board of Elders at the church 
I'm going to, I'm going to post it online and I'm not going to redact information that I might have redacted otherwise. So like he, he'll cover up kids names. Oh, okay. He said like, I was around this person by myself. Sure, sure. He said, I'll, I'll cover up the kids names. Who he's not covering up is the name of the volunteer who admitted to these problems. Who is that person? Tell me. Daniel's brother, John's <gasps> other son. Oh. oh, what a twist. What a twist. So the brother admitted you to Daniel. me. Yeah. The brother admitted to Daniel, I'm attracted to kids or something. Daniel's like, holy shit. Tells his father about this because the brother is working with kids. And what does the dad do? Jack shit. And it gets to the point where he's like, well, maybe the church will look into it. Maybe they will say, we don't care if it's your son. We weren't asking you to shame him, but don't let him work with kids. Yeah. You could have said that. You could have done. Nope. Didn't do any of that. Well, like so, get him to therapy, you know, yeah, or things something. that help people. Right. And none of that happened. So Daniel went online. He's like, fine, then I'm going to post this now. Post the letter. Um, and now there's a much bigger call from the outside for the church to take some sort of action. Like, okay. what are you going to do? Are you going to fire the pastor now? Nothing's happened yet. But it's not just him. It's the entire elders. Like, the whole church's top leadership failed at every turn. And again, nothing physical has happened, and that's great, but... Again, if this were any other situation and you knew someone was a problem or you hired somebody who was uh, known to have this history, you couldn't hire them. You shouldn't hire them. Like No, and it's it's wild because in you would think in this instance, because it's his own son, it would be much easier to quietly like like quash this, right? Like just pull him aside at like think. dinner or whatever, and we're like, listen whatever whatever he wants to say about his how he feels or whatever but like you know you understand you can't work with kids son right like you yeah. get why that and what daniel said in his letter is that when he approached his father one of the reasons his father did not want to do anything um i'm looking for the exact words but i don't see it uh but one of the things the father said is like their other son um, is suicidal. Like if we take him away from this thing that he loves, then that's a reason for him, his depression to get even worse. And but, I'm sure they also got him therapy and medication for right, his suicidal tendencies, because I that's what a responsible person would do for their struggling family member. According to Daniel's letter, my father has not reported the brother's condition to anyone at Menlo, but rather has continued to encourage him to work in a variety of positions with young people. I take this choice to be entirely at odds with his responsibilities as a mandated reporter, as well as his stated vocation as a pastor. Hmm. Um, he also wrote in the most charitable reading possible. My parents have acted with unconscionable disregard for their responsibilities as leaders, ministers, and parents there are far more disturbing possibilities even than that. And they didn't do anything with this letter. So we posted it online. Jesus. Oof. That's heavy, man. Bad, but it was heavy and the fallout is still happening. So we'll see what comes of it, I guess. But Yikes. yeah, scary stuff all around. Um, 
here's a slightly, I don't know if this is any better. I'm just going through my list here. Uh, there's a pastor at a Catholic church in Indianapolis, uh, Father Theodore Rothrock, and he's the head of St. Elizabeth Seton Catholic Church in Indianapolis. He posts his weekly pastor priest's uh, letter to the congregation. And one thing he wrote about last week was that he really hates Black Lives Matter, the movement. He's like, I like black people, but Black Lives Matter is horrible. Much like Antifa. And I'm sure he loves black people. <laughs> I, I don't know how many friends he has. Um Here's what he wrote, and this tell me if you could spot the problem. The only lives that matter are their own, he's mocking them, and the only power they seek is their own. They are wolves in wolves' clothing, masked thieves and bandits, seeking only to devour the life of the poor and profit from the fear of others. They are maggots and parasites at Oof. best. At best. At best. And then he goes on to say Black Lives Matter and Antifa were trying to, quote, replant a new species of human made in the likeness of man and not in the image of God. The, I have the president, no notes, actually. <laughs> the president of Antifa is going to be very upset to learn about any of this. Oh, yeah. Boy, oh, my goodness. And- They're going to have a board meeting. <laughs> Right. Um, So he posts this last week and now the whole diocese in Lafayette is like in damage control. Um, Bishop Timothy Doherty said, I expect Father Rothrock to issue a clarification about his intended message. There was none that the intention, like, what did they do? They deleted it from his website and basically Mm -hmm. shut down his entire website. Well, yeah, you can't ask somebody to clarify their message when their message was extraordinarily clear. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't code. Like, Um, Do you you want him to go deeper into why he hates black people or (laughs) Rothrock said in a statement that came out later. Later that week, this week, that he's somewhat surprised by the reaction, but it was not my intention to offend anyone. Oh, boy. Uh, so here's here's what the church has done since then. This is as of a couple days ago. They suspended him from ministry. Sure. But they said in their statement, various possibilities for his public continuation in priestly ministry are being considered. They're looking up other jobs that this guy could do. Not firing him, just saying, wonder what else he can do. Let's give him a lateral move. Yep. Try another ladder. Lateral moves is like what the Catholic got the Catholic Church in all their problems in the first place, and they're still going to that one. Can we talk about how fucking wild it is that there are two sides to the argument should children be molested by authority figures? And mm-hmm. there's there's two like if I say my opinion, okay, children should not be molested physically or emotionally by anybody, specifically people in power. Aren't and you a are, rebel? And there is a large contingency of people who heard what I say and think, okay, well, let's take it easy. Can we <laughs> can we settle on some children should be molested by their elders? Or, like, do we have a number that we're comfortable working with? Like, it is, like, how are... I'm like, oh my God, have it. What is going on? Is this my personal nightmare? That's 2020 for you. Guess how much the Catholic Church spent in the U.S. 
on sexual abuse cases, settling them, dealing with lawyers, whatever. How much did they spend guess, in 2019? I'm going to guess four gold thrones worth of money. How much is a gold throne? Mm, a billion dollars. Uh, not quite. Oh. Close. Um, $281,611,817. million on allegation-related costs. By the way, only $41 million of that was covered by insurance. Oh, they have molestation insurance. They have molestation insurance at the cool. church. Cool. And that yes. didn't throw up a red flag to anybody in particular? <laughs> yeah, hey, you go to your uh, I'm here to sell insurance. I'm knocking on your door. Hey, it's me, Jessica Insurance-man. Um, I've got a couple policies. policies. We've talk got fire. about the names you come up with for these jobs. <laughs> I've got fire insurance. I've got flood insurance. I have insurance for if many of your your leaders systemically attack children. That one, I'm just going to throw in with the fire yeah. and the flood because like you think you'll never need it. And we hope you'll never need it, but you just never know when you'll have a systemic group of people who are like molesting children and then seeing no repercussions of it and having no empathy towards the children. Let's just, let's just throw it on the pile. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw way, it in with the flood and fire in 24, 24- in 2014, they only spent $106 million. Sure. So it's on the rise. Now, I should say one of the reasons that actually skyrocketed in 20, the 2019 report that just came out, the reason it was up so much in 2019 is because a handful of states passed laws, like New York being the big one, mm. saying if you were molested as a child and the statute of limitations is over, mm-hmm. our new law gives you a one-year window to file lawsuits and we don't care about the statute of limitations. So if you want to go after your abuser, now's the time to do it. And a bunch of people did. And so that's why it's higher than usual. But I mean, again, is there any number here that ought to be normal? And again, we joke about the insurance thing, but that's, that means like what? $240 million was paid by what? tithe money or other mm-hmm. Catholic church holdings, that's where your money's going. Yeah, I mean, say what you will. If you still believe in, in what the Catholic church teaches or whatever, fine. But understand that when you are putting money in that basket every week, or I bet they have like a, a little cue, uh, one of those swipey guys, a square. Um, God, that would have been Which funny. Which is how the come priests get money at the Catholic church. Yeah, exactly. Goes, yeah, It's like attached to their little uh, wafer. Um, when you're giving them money this is what it's going to like. You can't like, I'm sure your church is very nice and I'm sure your pastor is very nice. Right? Like how confident are you? And understand that money is trickling up to gold throne status. Yeah. Um, the report from the U S conference of Catholic bishops also said there were 4,400, uh, 4,434 total allegations this year, which is more than triple the year prior. That's a lot because of those new sure. laws. Um, but here's one thing I read that was interesting in that report. There were, uh, there were 4,400 uh, accusations. They were leveled against 3,000 priests and other Catholic leaders, some of them more than once, obviously. Sure. But of those 3,000 priests... This is in the report. 1,593 are dead. 
um, because it happened a long time ago. Mm -hmm. They said about 138 are temporarily and 321 are permanently removed from ministry. But Mm -hmm. 83 of those 3,000 priests are active in the church because the allegations have not been found to be credible just yet or haven't (laughs) led to charges. Like, these are the numbers they're working with right now in the U.S. alone, not globally. You know, it's a little frightening. So you said, I'm sorry, I might get the number. You said around 4,400 allegations against allegations three, against about 3,000 priests. Yes. So to me, that is so much more scary than if there was 4,000 allegations against like you know, 500 priests. That means like, it's not just a few bad apples. There are so many people that on average, they're only molesting one and a half kid per person. That's not, that means you have many, many people with a problem. Like I don't, I just, how is the Catholic church still fighting again? Why don't they say we're fucking cleaning house? We need to, for no other reason. They don't than, have anybody. They don't, they have a priest shortage. Cause like no one's inspired enough to well, go. Jesus, look what they did for CPS. Just consolidate fucking churches and pack a thousand people per church. Like they put 45 kids per classroom in CPS. Like mm-hmm. we've all had to deal with this bullshit. Now you guys do too. Like, there is no excuse for saying like, yeah, this guy has three or four allegations, but they're pretty suspect. So right. we're just going to go ahead and like, just let him ride until we get this down to brass tacks here. The uh, craziest response to the church's report came from the Catholic League's Bill Donahue, the guy who constantly yells about everything, who praised, praised the church because... According to him, when he crunched the numbers, 99.98% of priests did not have a substantiated accusation made against them. In you, other words, in other words, clergy sexual abuse is near 0%. Oh my god, you want to talk about how good rounding is in math? Um, you know that he took he like counted literally every priest who has yes. ever existed, right? Uh-huh. It's he said, not like- uh, yeah, of the 49,900 members of the clergy, um, only, you know, 0.07% of them had an accusation made against them now, like still alive happened this year. Uh-huh. And only eight of those uh, claims could be substantiated. We're talking about this year alone. Um, those are the only ones that count. If it happened in the past, he does not care. Um, and he also leaves out any priest being investigated. <sighs> Man, I don't know. Like celebrate. We, we talk we've talked at length about us as atheists, as liberals, or whatever, like what we would do with the same thing. And I would like I would remove Al Franken from office a thousand times rather than sound like this guy being like, well, yeah, one of our senators has had misconduct allegations against him, but the vast majority haven't. So uh, if you round, it's zero. So everybody carry on. Everybody just pretend nothing happened because I can round. Yep. 
I got oh, one man. I got okay. one last story for you. This is from our friends at the Creation Museum. Oh, uh, they were talking on Answers in Genesis. Uh, the Answers in Genesis people were talking on their like YouTube show where they uh-huh. talk about news stories. And are they, were they talking still about- doing it together or are they doing it remote? Oh, they're doing it together in person no. with a live studio audience. But no. there's a few inches of separation between the hosts. Sure. Um they were saying, oh, look at all those monuments being toppled over, and that's bad because that is cancel culture. And we, mm-hmm. like, how will we know history without a statue praising Confederates and stuff like that? Sure, but sure, sure. here's where they were going with it. Uh-oh. Uh, this, if you're going to cancel all these people and if you're going to topple statues, we should cancel Charles Darwin. And they said, because he was extremely racist and yet he's celebrated. Why are we not upset about Darwin and wanting to cancel him? Was Darwin famously racist? He was. So here's the best analogy I can come up with for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Was he right? Let's put it this way. Mitt Romney is a Republican. But he voted for impeachment. So, like, as far as Republicans go, he's not the worst, (laughs) but he is a Republican still. So he's bad. But there are a lot of other people that did a lot of worse stuff. And so this is Darwin. Like, he fought against slavery, but also he was like a rich white guy in Victorian Britain in the mid 1800s, did he say things we would call racist now? Like, did he call people savages? Sure. Uh, yeah. And but so in that sense, uh, sure, the, he was racist. And I would also say that I, I would argue nobody worships at the altar of Darwin and nobody would yes. argue myself. I have a Darwin tattoo and I would never say like everything he said was gold. I would say that he was a a person who moved science forward in a very, very important way. Which is the only, yeah, the way they talk about him, the creationist, the way they talk about him, they make it sound like everyone learns his life story and worships at his feet because he's amazing. And you're right. Like, no, the only reason his name comes up is because he put together this idea that had been floating for a long time and he codified it and he publicized it. And like, right. that's what we associate with him. But Hey, tell you what, Let's say he's the most racist dude who ever existed. And in his spare time, he like put on a white hood and went to parties or something. It wouldn't change the science. Right. Like, that's the thing. It, you can cancel him all you want. He is not relevant to the science of evolution and the, the foundational underpinning of science that it is. He is incidental. Like, that's how science works. If Isaac Newton was discovered to hold a bunch of horrible views, gravity would still work or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like, um, can I tell you one fun fact about Charles Darwin that I learned please. recently? Uh, so my, one of my favorite podcasts, the dollop that I talk about all the time, uh, they did an episode on, uh, the voyage of the H- HMS Beagle, which is okay. Darwin's ship. It's episode four fifteen. It came out in February, I think. Um, and Darwin was a ve- like he was a prolific writer. He journaled all the time, and one of his chief complaints on his voyage is that he couldn't get into the hammock because he kept trying to get in feet first. <laughs> and it is an image that I think about once a week, and it delights <laughs> me that one of the smartest men of his age couldn't make a hammock work. <laughs> it is 
wild. I cannot recommend that uh, that episode and more highly. Had the creationists known this, they would have destroyed evolution. But yes. instead, uh, that's all I got. I'm done. Yeah, I'm going to go to all the parties now. So Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to have some that's people... I'll watch in Hamilton. My home. Um, <laughs> are you going to watch Hamilton tonight? I am. I am at the intermission. Oh, you are. Yes. Are you enjoying it so far? I totally am. Oh my god, it's so good. So at six our time, I think they're doing like a live tweet thing, okay. like a view along. So I might. I oh, already watched fun. it today, but I might again. <laughs> I cried several times. It's so. It's one of those things that like I cannot. The first believe- thing I've watched on Disney Plus all year. Oh my god! I had to subscribe to Disney Plus to get it because we didn't have it. Um, that gift but, subscription from Christmas from the relatives finally came in handy. <laughs> um, it, it's just really truly wild for something to be as as overhyped as anything has ever been, and it's that good. It totally yeah. holds up. It's the so first fucking it's the good. first line in the New York Times review from when the show came out. The first line is. Yes, it really is that good. <laughs> it really is that good. Like, I'm mad about it almost. How dare... And just, ugh, whatever. Yeah. It's great. I, I I enjoyed it thoroughly. I cried a lot. No big deal. Everybody's I know. The only it. downside is not being able to watch it with people, like, in person. Because that would yeah. have been a viewing party everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would have been so... I mean, someday. But, yeah, that right. would have been a lot of fun. But, um, okay, so, Hemant, where can we find you online? Uh, I am at Hemant Meta on Twitter. You can go to FriendlyAtheist.com for stories. Go to Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast for bonus episodes of this and Jessica watching movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have been watching... What did we watch recently? Oh, we <laughs> we watched The Island, which is like an 05 or so Ewan McGregor and um, Scarlett Johansson, Michael Bay flick. It, that episode is as long as the movie, which is to say almost two and a half hours. And it is... We talked for maybe 40 minutes about the movie and just sort of went on this like vision quest about our thoughts on movies writ large. It's extremely fun for me. Um, so there's that. If you want to hear more from me and my husband, we also have a podcast called Cooper Duper. We are uh, re-watching his favorite show, Twin Peaks, and talking about each episode. Uh, we just put up the season one finale yesterday. Um, so that was fun. Hey, we've got a store. Did you know that, Hammett? What? If you want, you know, a tank top for lounging or a t-shirt for lounging, you can uh, get or it at onesie. our store. Or a onesie. You can get it at our store. Um, and if you are in need of a cross stitch, you can get one at my Etsy store. Uh, bitches get stitched done. Um, I do custom work. I'm working on a custom thing for a listener right this very second. Um, so I think that's all I have. Uh, oh, I'm at, on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. It's like if you said Blueberry with a bad British accent, joke my friend thought of when we were 18. Now it's just with me forever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Anything else? Nope, I'm good. All right, we'll talk See to you next week, week, everyone. Bye. <laughs>